Oslam Samadani. I'm Ruslan Oslam. And today we've got another great episode lined up for you guys. As we speak, the Bucks and the Mavericks game is going on. Currently, the score is 131-28 in overtime. The Mavericks lead. Giannis just hit two free throws. And Bledsoe just committed a foul. So we'll, we'll keep a track on that game as we go on. But today we got some uh, great topics for you guys. Uh, we'll just get right into it. So we learned that Ben Simmons has a knee injury and will be requiring surgery and will leave the bubble to get the procedure done, which is a big blow for the 76ers. I mean, they, they weren't playing that great even with him in the lineup. But now that he's gone, they say his timetable is uncertain, but they think they would have to go through a pretty far playoff run for him to return, which without Ben Simmons is highly unlikely. And we could lose. I mean, the Sixers could be gone for the, from the playoffs, like first round, as soon as the first round, which might just be the reality for them now with Ben Simmons gone. Definitely possible. But, um, you know, I think, I think I saw in the news somewhere that said, Ben Simmons is day to day, so luckily, you know, it's not that that big of an injury. Um, but you know, like you mentioned, the 76ers are in a pretty good spot. But you know, without Ben Simmons, they're gonna have to find a way to push through and, and kind of make that run in the playoffs. But hopefully, we'll be able to see him back soon. Um, hitting the court, you know, him and Joel Embiid have been playing amazing. Tobias Harris is, you know, contributing a lot. Uh, so I'm really excited to see how the Sixers play out. Uh, according to Woj, it says. Sixers All-Star Ben Simmons is likely lost for the season. So he's done for the season. Yeah, he's likely lost. I uh, tweeted that out a, few, a while ago, but yeah, he will likely be lost for the season, and that's yeah. That's I mean, like I'm still was mentioning, you know, I think he had some some technical difficulties, but Ben Simmons gone to the 76ers is going to be a big hit for them, um, and you know, it's gonna it's gonna really take some digging to kind of push through that and you know there's gonna be have, there's gonna have to be players that step up um and so hopefully we can we can see that from the Sixers when they come back yeah sorry guys for the technical difficulties there that was a little bug but um yeah Ben Simmons injury is a big blow to the Sixers and um it could be tough and uh right now let's get a quick checkup on the live score we got 135 130 Mavericks lead with 11 seconds left and overtime and uh, I think Ersan brought up a stat uh, before we got on the show that in games that the Mavericks are within five points in the fourth quarter, they have lost 16 of those games. 16. And, I mean, we've seen all year with the Mavericks, they haven't been able to close out close games. We saw earlier in the Rockets-Mavericks game to start the season when the Mavericks, I believe, were, were up a I think six, 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 yeah, like six, two, for two or three minutes remaining. And I don't know where the rocks came now and just started banging threes. And the, the tip in, I think the, with Covington with less than two seconds left, got them to overtime. And this is like another thing with the, with the Mavericks. I mean, they got to learn to close out games and it looks like, they're about to win a big one against the Milwaukee Bucks, which is the number one team in the NBA right now with the best record. So this win is this one could be huge for the Mavericks. They got 11 seconds left. I know anything could happen, but it looks like the Mavericks have this one in the bag. 11 seconds, 130 to 135. So we'll we'll get you another update on that once the 11 seconds is over. But um, 
Another thing we got to get into is we've seen TJ Warren in the bubble. Man is playing like Kevin Durant out here, dropping 40 points literally every single game. I mean, he had like what? Nearly 40 points. He had like 37, 39, if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm wrong, you can correct me, but he, he's been absolutely on fire in this bubble. He's shooting at a really high percentage, and he's just been a scoring machine for the Pacers. The Pacers actually, the Pacers actually did drop off the the Lakers. Lakers, yes. They dropped off the Lakers today, so that's another huge one. And talking about the Lakers, Lakers have been horrible the past like two or three games, and that's just not acceptable when you when you have the. I mean, I know LeBron didn't play against the Rockets, but the Rockets were down Russell Westbrook and Eric Gordon, and the Lakers at Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis won't score 17 points, so that's absolutely ridiculous. But like you mentioned, Umsel, right? You said, you know, I know we talked about this a little bit beforehand. You said they don't have anything to play for, right? They locked in that number one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, who knows? It might be a smart play on their end, you know, resting LeBron, resting Anthony Davis, and kind of taking things slow. Um, so who knows? It, it might be a might be a smart play from Frank Vogel. You know they don't really care about care about seeding too much now that they locked in that number one seed. So now it's just time to kind of sit back, relax, and get ready for the playoffs. And I totally agree with you on that one. The Lakers do have nothing to play for, pretty much. So another update on the score, real quick, before we get into another topic. Uh, Finney Smith. Went to the free throw line at 4.7 seconds left. He hit one of two, made the game 136-132. George Hill missed a three-pointer, and the game ended. The Mavericks pulled off the victory against the Bucks, 136-132. Now, that's a huge win for the Mavericks, especially for the confidence, just because they finally were able to close out a game and beat one of the best, if not the best team in the league right now. So, beating... Even and Giannis did foul out. This uh, he had his he had a flagrant foul actually. He had a flagrant foul 52, 52 seconds in the first quarter, and in OT, he eventually fouled out. That's a huge, huge win for the Mavericks. Uh, Giannis fouled with four point seven seconds left. Fouled him out, and that's the game for the Mavericks. We look at the box score. We had Giannis ended the game with 34 points, uh, 13 rebounds, and just one assist. And on Dallas side, we had the leading scorer was Luka Doncic with 36, but they had Christos Rozingas with 26 and Dorian Finney-Smith with 27. Uh, Are you going to see 27 from Dorian Finney-Smith every game? I don't know. But... The Mavericks were able to pull it off, so you got to give it to them. Great game from the Mavericks. Moving on, let's talk about Gary Trent Jr. and his absurd shooting. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier during the Blazers game. Uh, Gary Trent was 26 for 39 in the bubble, shooting three, shooting 69%, which is absolutely insane. He's been a knockdown shooter for the Blazers, and the Blazers have really benefited off his shooting it's, i mean they they had they did lose ariza before the season started who opted out and ariza who's an inconsistent inconsist shooter, uh was was a big defender for them but trent has also stepped up in the defensive end we saw him uh, matched up with paul george in that clippers game even though they lost the game trent showed me things that that gave away more positives i mean he was 
He was playing great defense. He was he 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 brought energy, and he was banging threes. And that's what you need from a guy like him. That's all you need. That's all the Blazers need. And that was and, that was a very interesting game. Also, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. We saw Paul George, right? We saw Damian Lillard and Gary Trent kind of all get into it. Oh man. Um, so I mean, I, I don't know. It was it, it seems like there's a lot of back and forth going on on Instagram, Twitter. Um, if you want to kind of go into more more detail about that, Umsol. Yep. Uh, on in on Twitter we had, uh, I think it I think it was on Ramona Shelbourne's Twitter. Let me just bring it up real quick. But uh, they were drawing they were drawing on uh, Instagram, and I mean all these sneak disses and stuff going on, man. It, it's really entertaining. I mean, people you can't believe that coming into the bubble, people like there are people in the media saying it might not be as intense as it is in a regular game. But when you look at the bubble and you see what's going on, you're watching the games, you see, like, it feels pretty much the same. Like, if if not, it, it seems like it's more intense because you see players like Dame getting into it with Paul George, Gary Trent getting in with Paul George, Dame uh, jawing at Patrick Beverly on the bench. Like, these games are... Re- really intense and i'm loving it i'm absolutely loving it they feel like playoff games to me i'm not gonna lie to you you know we've had a lot of close games a lot of teams in the west fighting for that eighth spot um so i mean you know like i said coming into the bubble we all had that expectations play was going to be sloppy um the energy was going to low because you know no fans but i'm not going to lie a lot of these games that i'm watching are are very intense even down to the wire Yes, yes, hundred percent, and and you know that energy is still definitely there. You know we're we're seeing a lot of game winners, um, a lot of back and forth in terms of you know leads and uh, coming back. So I mean, all in all, it's just a very good good atmosphere, and, and I'm really glad to have basketball back. You know, it gives something uh, for us to talk about, and it also gives a lot of the fans to kind of take time and just just enjoy the sport of basketball, which we all love. Talking about game winners, how about the Devin Booker game winner we had a few games ago? I mean, absolutely beautiful. And coincidentally on Paul George, with Paul George closing out on him. Something about Paul George and buzzer beaters, man. I think that, that guy just has bad luck with that. The Damian Lillard half-court buzzer to end the series. He had uh, there, there was a few other buzzers where he was closing out on a shooter and they just shot right over him and ended the game. Which, I don't know if it's a curse for Paul George or what, but... That dude's always getting scored on when it comes in the clutch. I do not understand why. But talking about the Suns and Devin Booker, the Suns are undefeated in the bubble. The only team left that is undefeated. And who would have thought out of all the teams that the Suns would be the last one standing as undefeated? And if you look at the standings, they are they are half a game behind the Blazers for the ninth seed, which would allow them to play in the play-in because the Memphis Grizzlies are just uh, about one and a half games ahead of Portland. So if the Phoenix Suns were able to somehow overtake the Blazers, which I think is unlikely because the Blazers have been absolutely great. I think they have a better roster than the, the Suns. But let's say they do. Let's say the Grizzlies drop out of eighth and drop to tenth. Well, how, like, you would see a Portland Trailblazers number eight seed go up against the Phoenix Suns number nine seed in a playing tournament, which I think would be much more entertaining than a Memphis Grizzlies versus Portland Trailblazers playing because you, as we know, Memphis lost Jaron Jackson. So I feel like Memphis kind of shorthanded and I don't think they would be able to keep up with the Blazers, but 
watching D book in the plan, count me in for that. Count me he, in for that for sure. He definitely deserves it. I think I think Devin Booker is a very underrated player, and and Phoenix itself is a very underrated team. Um, I would love to see them, you know, finally be in a contender position to you know be in that eighth seed. Um, you know they're they're going five and zero against, and, and they're not playing some some bad teams, right? They've went up against Clippers um, today. I think they just beat the Miami Heat, so it's not like they're going up against teams that are just you know like like very low in the standing. They're going up against some very tough teams, and they're coming out on top. Um, so I, I definitely think that the Phoenix Suns are very underrated. Um, and you know what sticks out to me is that they're going five and zero, and they do not have Kelly Oubre Kelly Oubre Jr. I don't know how to say his name, but um, he's 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 a really good piece for the suns and he, if he was to be here you know i think he would just make more of an impact on the phoenix suns team but we see players like devin booker obviously he's going to kill it we have players like <clears throat> mikhail bridges and ricky rubio they're all playing amazing basketball and, and the phoenix suns are, are honestly surprising me and i'm sure they're surprising everyone in the league right now i'll tell you one thing the lakers are sitting there in first seed and they're they really do not want to play the Blazers in the first round. Like they are hoping that they do not see the Blazers because the Blazers are a scary team. Like they are they are not an eight seed team. They they had injuries in the regular season that really slowed them down. But this is a whole new game. This is the NBA bubble. Everyone's healthy for the. They're only missing they're missing Trevor Reese, which is a big loss. But Gary Trent's been absolutely amazing for them. And Dame and CJ are gonna hoop up. You got Nurkic fully healthy. You got Samwise off the bench. You got Zach Collins starting. It's going to be scary stopping this Blazers team. They Honestly, if they had this full team, I wouldn't be surprised if they were fifth seed right now. But I'm telling you right now, the Lakers do not want to see them. And they're, they're hoping that the Grizzlies or the Suns pu- pull something off and take care of that eighth seed or play in the, or win the, win, the, win the playing tournament. And, you know... If I'm the Blazers, I'm playing with the most sense of urgency I could possibly can these next three games because it's, it's win or go home now. You got to win these three games, get that AC locked in, and they win that playing tournament. But I think I think they will get away with it, and they will they will get that AC. Moving on, we'll talk the Rockets beating the Lakers without LeBron. And on ESPN, the title of the recap, I think, was – uh, James Harden helps Rockets beat shorthanded Lakers. But what they didn't mention in the title is that the Rockets were also missing an MVP in Russell Westbrook and Eric Gordon, which is who's a really important piece to the team. So I think that was just kind of something weird. I don't know if, the, if obviously people have, people say that there's a Rockets uh, bias against the Rockets in the media, which I don't want to speak on, but uh, that was just, uh, that kind of stood out to me. But, um, Rockets were able to win that game, one I think it was one thirteen to ninety seven. Yeah, and they had twenty one threes in that game, which was very impressive. You know, if the Rockets can keep this up and knock down their open threes that they get, I think they're going to be a very, very, very hard team to beat in the playoffs. I think it was more impressive than just hitting twenty one threes. If you don't, remember, I don't know if you remember this, but this was right when the Rockets were just small ball. They played the Lakers. Bleacher Report tweeted out. Uh, a video, it was like a funny video saying this is how PJ Tucker's gonna be able to guard uh, Anthony Davis. It's like Anthony Davis stomping on PJ Tucker or something. But just to mention that uh, Anthony Davis only scored 17 points in that game in the bubble. 
And people were saying, oh, Rock is going small ball. They're not going to be able to stop their big man like Anthony Davis, uh, Brooke Lopez, Nurkic. But if you watch them play, they are making them work for their shots. Like this team might not be big and might not be able to stop like bigger players, but they slow them down and they make sure that you work for every single shot. Like Darren Morey said earlier when they were switching the small ball in the in midseason, he said it's hard to back down linebackers. And the Rockets have one of the biggest linebackers in the league in P.J. Tucker. So try backing on P.J. Tucker. I want every big man to try backing him down. You're going to have a hard time. They're going to make sure you work for every single shot. And that's why the Rockets are so lethal. Rockets are sitting at the fourth seed right now. So, uh, I mean, they've been doing really good in the bubble. They've only, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they've only lost one game in the regular season. Yep, against Portland. Against Portland, coincidentally. And talking about Portland, man, the, it was great. I just want to say that it, the, the beef was amazing between Dame, PG, Pat Bev, and Gary Trent. I mean, that was absolutely amazing. They were jawing at each other the entire game. The game intensity was absolutely amazing. And I hope to see that in the upcoming games. Uh, you don't see that a lot in the regular season, but this is different. P- players are competing at a high level right now and it's just fun to watch i don't don't know how to put that in words but talking about competing at a high level the finalist for the mvp came out today for the mvp you had Giannis, lebron and for the fifth time in six years james harden is finishing as a finalist for the fourth straight year or yeah fourth straight year he is ending up a finalist. There was a gap between that, which was absolutely absurd because I think it was 2016 that they didn't have him on an all-NBA team, even though he played completely lights out, carried the Rockets team with J.B. Bickerstaff as the, as the coach, the interim coach to the playoffs, which I think was absurd that he wasn't even on an all-NBA team. That was just disrespectful. But Harden was again a finalist, but likely not going to win. It's, I think it's between Giannis and LeBron. And in my opinion, I think Giannis is gonna win this one just because he, he I think he's gonna have his back-to-back MVP. The Bucks are the best record in the NBA. He's got amazing stats. Their team is rolling. They're 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 like a top defensive team, and I think he's just gonna have that uh, MVP. I would definitely, I agree. You know, I think Giannis is is playing phenomenal. Um, but for for me personally i'm still sticking with with james harden i feel like he does not get the credit he deserves um i don't know if you saw i think draymond green he was talking about um that the rockets on tnt on tnt yeah he got he said that the rockets sometimes get uh penalized you know people just expect great things from harden and i think now it's just come to a point where it's just normal now right so um i still think he does not get the credit he deserves this man is the for me personally i don't know if people agree he is the best offensive player in the league and people i know people still chop on him for his defense but i think he's he's playing playing amazing defense you know i'll take that a little further i think he's the greatest scorer just pure scorer the league has ever seen and People might think it's a cold take because you got MJ, you got Kobe, you got all these great offensive players. But if you're talking just scoring in general, finding a way to put the ball into whether it's drawing fouls, shooting step back three pointers, taking layups. Harden, no one's ever seen anything like Harden. If we're talking just talent scoring wise, uh, I think 
uh, you you could give that to MJ, but just being a pure scorer, it's James Harden to me. And like you said, he doesn't he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. But when it's all said and done, people are gonna appreciate him more. That, that's I strongly believe that. And hopefully, he can get a ring to add to his resume to go down as one of the greatest players of all time. So we'll see how that works, or we'll see how that turns out. Also, we had our Rookie of the Year finalist. We had John Morant, Zion Williamson, and Kendrick Nunn. And I think this is not even a race. It's John Morant. I don't even think it's a debate. John Morant played exceptional all year long. Zion only played about, like, what was it, 19 games, 17? I'm I'm not sure the exact number. That's not enough games to win you a Rookie of the Year. And none played great, but he did not play as good as John Moran. John Moran led his team to the playoffs. Well, I mean, with that still being done, I mean, without Jaron Jackson, it's going to be tough, and I don't blame him. But he led them to a eight seed, which is absolutely impressive because I don't think anybody had the Grizzlies in the eight seed. So I think he deserves it 100%. I definitely agree. I think uh, I don't know if 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 it's a if it's a landslide, you know, for for John Moran winning it. Because I know a lot of people have that hype over Zion Williamson and how he's like the next LeBron. Um, but like you said, if we're talking Rookie of the Year, you know, I don't think Zion has played enough games to for us to kind of see, you know, that he's Rookie of the Year. So I would definitely have John Morant taking taking that Rookie of the Year award. Um, so if, moving on, if, yeah. Also. And just to add on that, if, if people think that 17 or 19, I'm not sure how many games it was, if they think that's enough to win a Rookie of the Year, then I don't know because. That's absolutely ridiculous. John Morant played all season, balled out, and led his team to the playoffs. I don't think 16, 17, 19, I don't know how many games it was. I don't think that's enough to win your uh, rookie of the year. I'm sorry, bro. Zion's great. He's gonna be he's gonna be a future star. But I think John Morant got this rookie of the year locked up in a landslide. This shouldn't even be close. Agreed. So now um, moving on to the defensive player of the year, we got Giannis Antetokounmpo. We have Anthony Davis and we have Rudy Gobert. Um, interesting, interesting candidates for the for the defensive player of the years. I think for this one, um, I would personally go with Anthony Davis. I think, you know, he's been spectacular on the defensive end. We've, we've seen a lot of blocks from him. We've seen a lot of great plays. Um and just overall, defensively, I think he, he brings a lot to the table for the Lakers. So that's who I'm going with. Now, here's where we disagree for the first time in these choices. You know, uh, you know what? I got to go with Giannis. I have to go with Giannis. Um, he just, he's been having an amazing season. I mean, people don't realize it, but like this man, sure, he might not be as, like, I know a lot, he gets a lot of Chris, like, him and Harden uh, going back at each other. Harden was like, oh, he t- it takes no skill to be that good. But, um, just look, just looking at the way Giannis has played this year, I think he's been absolutely amazing. I think he's going to go down. He's going to win MVP. He's going to win DPOI just because of how great he was on D- on the defensive end. Because just like AD, Giannis is that X factor for the Bucks, and I think the Bucks had the number one rated defense, and the Lakers were like number two, which which I think is like insane that they were that close. But I think it's going to come down to who impacted the defense more. And when I look into it, I think it was Giannis. Because, I mean, Giannis on the perimeter is a freak. He is the Greek freak. And in the paint, he's the Greek freak. You're not scoring in the paint, and you're not scoring him on the perimeter. 
good luck with that. I think he's a much better perimeter defender than Anthony Davis. But I got to give credit to Anthony Davis also because he's also been absolutely amazing in the uh, botting people in the paint, uh, getting a lot of block shots, and he's been great too. But I shouldn't bring up one thing deep, uh, on the defensive side. You said this earlier, and this is, has nothing to do with Davis, Davis Ware of the year. It has to do with the Rockets. James Harden is turning in from a average defender to a pretty good one. And if, if, if people haven't realized that yet, I mean, he kind of proved it in the beginning of the season. Russell Westbrook is bringing out su- another side of James Harden. Because Russell Westbrook has that energy that he brings every single night, no matter if the game matters or not. He will give you a boost that no one else can. It's like he energ- he's bringing the best out of Harden, which is what, which is why I'm so bought into the Rockets right now because we haven't seen this side of Harden in a long time. If you, if you watch the Bucks game and look at the stats, James Harden had six steals that game against the Bucks in, in the win against the Bucks, and a lot. And he he had to play a key play where he stripped uh, Giannis from from getting a layup. And then he and then he ended up, and at the end of the game when Giannis threw that turnover to House, he had a play where he he made Giannis throw that pass because Giannis was trying to go in for that layup, but Harden blocked his way to the paint, made Giannis make a ill-advised throw, ill-advised pass, and and an easy steal for House. And I think people need to realize how how great Harden has been on defense in the bubble and in the regular season as a whole, uh, before the hiatus. And I don't think he's appreciated enough on defense. And I think uh, NBA Twitter trolls are uh, still stuck up on stuff that th- that was left behind in 2012, which I don't understand. So, so speaking of defense, what do you have to say about about Rudy Gobert? You know, he's obviously a, a candidate for a reason, right? He, he he makes a big impact for the Utah Jazz. Why do you think Rudy Gobert can't win this? Now, here's the thing with Rudy Gobert. I think, look, I think the defensive player of the year is going to be the closest race out of all the awards. I think it's going to be the closest out of MIP. It's going to be the closest out of MVP. Uh, every every other award, I think this is going to be the closest one because if you look at all three finalists, Giannis, AD, Gobert, they all are key players on their team defenses. And Rudy Gobert has already won multiple defensive player of the years, and he's been absolutely great. But... If you look at the Jazz, you know, Giannis and the Bucks as the as a whole have been a better defensive team than the Jazz and the Lakers. So I think that's what it's gonna come down to, to be honest. Cause all three of these guys are amazing defenders. I mean, they've been uh, absolutely great. And I there's I can't say enough things about them because they they've just been amazing. And Honestly, it's, I just think it's going to come down to which team's been better defensively and then the record, and I think that's Giannis. And Giannis might be one of those players that wins MVP and defense player of the year in one year. So got to give it to him. That's about to be a very interesting race, and, and you know I'm excited to see all these awards being announced. Um, so let, let's move on. Let's see the NBA Sixth Men Award. Now, this was a very interesting category because we have Montrezl Harrell and we have Lou Williams from the same team. Um, I, I saw on, on, I believe it was Twitter, I think Dennis Schroeder goes like, so I'm going up against two people from the same team. I thought this was a Sixth Men Award. Uh, so this is a very funny category to me. Um, but Got it, I, Will. I honestly agree. Yeah, I would go with Lou Williams as well. I think he's been amazing off the bench for the 
for the Clippers. Um, and, and he's a key part of the Clippers offense. You know, you have Paul George, you have Kawhi Leonard, but when one of them sits out or if both of them sits out, you know, you, you're going to need someone to, to get that offensive scoring and, and Lou will provides that. And, uh, I don't think this is the first time this has happened. I mean, if you don't remember, this is when the Rockets had Pat Bev, Lou will Eric Gordon, and half the season, when Lou was on the Lakers, he came off the bench as a sixth man. And then he came to the Rockets. Uh, both EG and Lou played great as sixth men. And I think they, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they were both uh, one of the uh, top five and sixth men award. And I think, I think Lou came out with it, but I could be wrong. But yeah, this isn't the first time this happened. And I don't think. Um, Looking at the Clippers roster and just seeing the guys they have on the team, I don't think it's going to be a, a mental problem because I think these guys are mature. Uh, Lugo has won his six-man awards. He's, I think he's the highest-scoring bench player in history. So I think it won't affect him at all. It would be, it'd be nice to see Montrez win it too, but I think Lugo is going to have this one. And, yeah, pretty much it. I mean, that that's, pretty, that's going to cap off our episode. I mean, we had to uh, – we had a great talk with the six man award, defense player of the year award, MVP and rookie of the year. We went over the Mavericks game and uh, Gary Trent, Damian Lillard beef. So yeah, it was a great episode. We got some more episodes lined up for you guys in the future. Tune in next week on maybe Friday, maybe Saturday. We don't know. Might do another late, late night show. Uh, I mean, if you guys are really liking these late night shows, please, Give us some feedback on Twitter or on the YouTube, or in the YouTube comments so we could, you know, give you guys the best experience. And um, I just want to say it's been a fun ride so far, you know, we, during this podcast and really appreciate you guys for tuning in.